Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast, presented by DraftStream, a discussion show about movies, gaming, and the unexpected cultural detours that color our life. Please enjoy your stay and enjoy the show. And we're back. It's your boy, Wardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great cinema draft game where daily fantasy sports meets the movies. And it is my pleasure to bring to the podcast today someone I've known since grade school, longtime friend, known her since Seattle, Washington, among her many talents as a singer and marketing consultant. She's also on the verge of signing. We're almost there. On the verge of signing <laughs> with Cinema Draft as our community manager. Give it up for Ife Thomas. Hey. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you, you on the show and soon to be on board. No jinx. Yes. All right. All right. So our Andy Cohen-inspired Watch What Happens Lifestyle drinking game word tonight shall be the word strange. Every time you hear one of us say that word, take a sip, what you sipping, because tonight's pod will end up covering our favorite Eddie Murphy movies, and I think yeah. a particular favorite of ours, co-starring Grace Jones, just might be discussed. Absolutely. Strange. It's you, girl. You, girl. Strange, girl. Yes, yeah. All right, well, as I've said recently, you know, with every guest who's come on the pod, the social contract's on fire. Shit's going down. It's go. It's crazy. People, there's there's mental and political chaos in the streets. I don't even know what's good anymore. So tell me something good, Ife. My soul needs it. Oh, um, what's good with me and what's good in general is you that can. longevity is alive and well in my family. My grandfather turned 100 years old this year. Oh, wow. My last living grandparent and. Yes, yes, Strange, Strange. Uh, <laughs> he is lucid, he's alive, he's well. We talk almost every day. He knows me. Mm. He's still the same fun, wonderful hero that I grew up with. And that is good news that you can make it to 100 in this world and still have your light and, and yeah. shine that light. So, yes, that's the good news on my end. And I bet he's 100, probably doesn't even look a day over 89, huh? And absolutely, because black don't crack. Mm, 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 he's looking at he's looking like a, a smooth eighty. <laughs> there you go, a smooth <laughs> eighty. That's what I'm talking about. All right, well, you are on the show with no segue, so we're moving on into one of my favorite segments, and that is what we're watching. That'd be a good air horn. All right, so I'm going to share my screen, so I may share with you exactly what I'm watching. Okay. And one of the things I am watching is Power Book Two: Ghost. Are you familiar? I am familiar. Um, I'm not a hardcore fan. I, I got into Power, the original Power, for a while. I think I did maybe one season or so, and it just, for personal reasons, I just couldn't do it anymore. He. I just couldn't watch it anymore. But it's good. I get why everybody likes it. 
And yeah, this looks this looks like I heard it's good. I heard the first episode was with the one or two episodes have gone up already, or is it a whole season that's gone up? No, I think there's only, oh, I agree with some feedback on your end. Sorry, but um, I think there's only been three episodes. I think, okay, and it's already been renewed for a second season. So I saw wow. that today. I yeah. saw that. Yeah, it's very popular. I mean, this listen, the following of this franchise is huge, um, and. <laughs> Oh, she looks fierce. I love that. Yeah, she's, uh, yeah. she's killing too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a good cast. It's I mean, some people might cynically think that you know, all right, so they're doing this brand extension. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but at the towards the end of the original six season Power Run, they tease that there's going to be an extended Power Universe, and it wasn't just going to be you know Power Book Two Ghost. It was going to be four sequels. They're on some Avatar shit. They're talking about Power Book Two Ghost following Tariq the Sun in his, you know, running around college. Mm -hmm. uh, Power Book Three Raising Canaan, which I think is kind of like a prequel back to the days of how I guess Ghost became Ghost or dealt with Kane or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, Power Book Four follows Tommy's exploits because he took off at the end. All right. On his own. And then Power Book Five, Lorenz Tate up in the Goddard Mansion. No, I watched that. I'm a Lorenz Tate fan, honey. So yes, I'm here for that. Well, so no, this is really smart. This is really smart. This whole franchise, I think, is genius. Uh, I'm not a Fifty Cent fan, but this was a good, this was a good move on his end. This was this was this was a good look. Well, I will say that, and actually, uh, I was kind of shocked to read in the the article today that this whole power extended universe is kind of 50's idea. Like, I know 50 was an executive producer on this. I think he kind of had like the the kernel of the idea, partnered up with Courtney A. Kemp from um, The Good Wife and a bunch mm -hmm. of other shows, uh, accomplished mm -hmm. writer, to kind of create this stuff. And what I found uh, kind of interesting, besides the fact that he kind of came up with this idea of the whole power extended universe, is not only is the way they're going about it is really smart. I mean, they, they haven't lost any of the kind of verve or 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 uh, speed plotting that Power was really kind of known for. I mean, it's always just on the on the edge of of camp, but not quite. Like everyone, they're doing some really ridiculous shit, but they do it with a very straight face, very serious stakes. No one's like kind of cheesing or winking at the camera at all. They're doing it all for real, and you kind of buy it. And Mary J. Blige is excellent in this too. Is the, she? Okay, good. Because yeah. Mary's really been doing better with her acting, and you know. Mary's um, good. I, I get up to now. I, I know she got nominated, I think, for Mudbone. I personally didn't like Mudbone that much, but oh, I didn't see Mudbone, but I saw her in um what's my show? The Umbrella Academy. She was in oh, the Umbrella wow. Academy, yeah. which I love. Not this season, but last season. And she was good. She was fine. She was okay. Yeah, and, and uh, actually a friend of mine, uh, my, my my pop cultural tether, KSK, who's also been on this pod, she said, when I told her that Mary J. Blige is in this, she's like, what? She's in this? And I'm like, I told you you'd be watching this. She's like, yeah, but I'm afraid <laughs> if it gets too popular, she won't make any more music. And I'm like, you know what? Got a got a good uh, point. So. She will. Yeah. She'll she will. She'll do music. I hope so. What was the last kind of real album she did? The the London Sessions or something? Yeah, it's been a while. I haven't oh, and I haven't listened to an MJB full record in a long time. Uh, the London I still love her as an artist. She's still amazing. Yeah, she, she's she's awesome. Uh, she's great in this role as as the matriarch of this crime family. It's great. Um, so yeah, so that's one thing I'm watching. Uh, oh, and also, and then. One last thing, Method Man. Got to shout out Method Man. He plays a lawyer in this. Really? Yeah. I mean, his dick. Look, his diction is perfect. His diction's fine, but he still has that growly Staten Island Method Man, you know, edge to it. It's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, Davis McLean. He plays um, a gruff, high-priced 
bit of a fame whore type lawyer, and mm-hmm. it's just it, it's 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 beautiful to see. I'd love to I'd love to see how how he's kind of grown into this kind of actor thing. He's legit. He's good. I liked him in in The Wire, but he's like legit in this. So I'm very okay. excited to do with his character for real. Oh, so cool. along with how high? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I should hope so. Uh, okay, so that's one thing I'm watching. Other thing I'm watching, it's Pen15. Are you familiar with Pen15? Oh, I just added this to my list on Hulu like yesterday. Is it last night or this morning? Because I just saw another tweet. I, actually, Seth Rogen tweeted about this, this show. Yeah. And I was like, what is this Pen15? And then somebody else that I follow on Twitter who's on my show, the show, this fabulous show called The Grapevine, he oh, tweeted about oh. Pin 15 too. And he was just like, Pin 15 is amazing. And I'm like, what is this Pin 15? So I added it to my list. Well, when you see it, what does what Pin 15 look like right here when you look at it? It looks like a high school something with. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I meant the actual the actual title. What does that look like? <laughs> I don't know. What? It's penis. Oh, oh ah. it, it, it's it's like a seventh grade <laughs> joke for penis. Oh my gosh! I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Well, so the basic conceit behind this is that you get these two early thirties, you know, millennials, whatever, uh, Anna Conkle, Maya Erskine. They play seventh grade versions of themselves back in the aughts. So you see all the great AOL chat rooms and and all and you know the the, the weird colors and 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 all the social awkwardness of them reliving their their uh, middle school years. And they're acting with all other child actors, but they're their grown selves. But like, you know, breasts oh, wow. down, you know, braces on. I mean, it is a sight to see. And they, I mean, they are such good actors. They they really sell that they are 13. I heard. 13. Yeah, I heard. Really good. Really, so really wait, good. so wait. So what, is there like a supernatural bend to this? Like, how are they able to go back and do that? No, it's just especially disbelief. It's just, this is reality. We're back in 2000, 2001 or whatever. Two, uh, uh. Two, yeah, 2000, I, think that, I think they probably said like 2002 or something like that. Uh, we're back in the early aughts and they're just, you know, these grown ass women, you know, supposedly being seventh grade girls. It's great. That is funny. And you buy it, like it works. And you know, look, I thought it'd be a one-note joke for a while, kind of like mm-hmm. uh, Ted Lasso, and I could go off in a tangent on Ted Lasso too. Uh, but it really, it's a lot deeper than that. Like for example, in the season two premiere, is that they dump them all at once, or at least the first half of the second season, there's like seven episodes of it already out on Hulu. And mm-hmm. and uh, I, I watched the first uh, episode of the second season, and there is like a really kind of, you know, witty, sly, uh, uh, commentary on slut shaming back in the aughts, back when, when, and especially mm. middle school, when the littlest thing, littlest stupid thing could get you a reputation and it kind of follows you around like forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know mm-hmm. that we went to school with that, you know, in, in retrospect, look back and went, oh wow, she was slut shamed. That's not cool. <laughs> like, did I participate? Yeah, exactly. You know, was I toxic? You know, it makes you kind of reexamine that stuff a little bit. And, and they had, they had a really kind of clever episode that, you know, kind of, you know, when to slut shame without totally beating you over the head with it from a very dumb seventh grade point of view. I totally buy it. I love it. They're great. Oh, oh yeah. I'm so excited to watch this. Of course, I have one <laughs> series, two other series that are going to come before this Okay. Uh, on my list, but I'm oh, yeah. definitely going to okay. watch it. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So Pen15, I highly recommend it. And also Ted Lasso, quick check in with Ted Lasso. I love it. It's awesome. It's so positive and witty and fun. Definitely check out Ted Lasso when you get a chance. That is on Apple TV Plus. 
Uh, they basically took a, a commercial character and tried to build a, a, a TV series out of it. Struggle a little bit early on. you got to plow through the first three episodes. They're only half hour each. But once you get to the fourth episode, it really sings. It's, I, I, it's, it's excellent. Is it funny? Is it smart? Is, it looks like an SNL skit. Exactly. It's essentially an SNL character come to life, but they really, I mean, they've really worked to add some layers to this guy. I mean, he is kind of like this doofus, happy-go-lucky, super optimistic coach, but he's also more than that. And the show ends up showing like little layers he's got. He's going through a divorce. He's basically, he's this American uh, football, like, you know, American football, football coach who goes over and takes over as the manager of an English football squad. So like a soccer squad. And, and, uh, and he's, Kind of at odds, you know. He doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. But he's kind of at odds with the owner, this woman who a uh, high-priced, uh, not high-priced, uh, a high high net worth individual who recently got divorced uh, from her husband and and won the team, the football team, in the divorce. And so she just wants to to burn into the ground, run into the ground as like a fuck you to her ex. And Ted, he's there thinking I'm on a real job. You know, I don't know why they hired an American football coach to coach English Premier League soccer, but I'm here. And so he's he, he looks like this the entire time. Optimistic, sunny, weird, kind of groovy, sell it porn stash. <laughs> it's yeah, great. It's definitely and, a porn stash. And it's fun and they and they've got a great supporting cast. And the the creatives behind this are really top notch. Bill Lawrence from Scrubs and a mm -hmm. bunch of shows behind this. Also, mm -hmm. um God, I hate the way they've got this set up. I can't get back to my ah, annoying. Anyways, um, so is it funny, like The Office funny, like nuanced funny, or is it like sitcom funny, or what? What's the it's pace not, of this? It's not slapsticky, so it's more like The Office funny. But the but it's mm -hmm. like but once you really know the characters, you know they it, it really grows on you. It, it's it's really funny. It's also heartwarming too. It's like one of the more positive but not too saccharine shows that's out there. So I, mm -hmm. I highly recommend it. Yeah, Ted okay. Lasso, mm -hmm. and that's what I'm watching. So Ife, what are you watching? Well, EJ, I am watching two shows right now that I love. Um, I'm watching season, is this season three? I believe it's season three of The Boys on oh Amazon Prime, which Wait, continues to blow my mind because they just reach new levels of craziness every episode. There's at least one crazy thing that happens. Are as you if characters aren't crazy enough. Yes, oh, absolutely, I'm caught up. It lays in my fucking tits. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that crazy? Their whole sex scene was bananas. I was like, this show is so crazy. Um, but I love it. It's just so, the boys, for me, is it's a wild ride. It's fun. It's very raw. It's diverse. Um, and diverse in different ways, in uncommon ways. Not just, quote, unquote, racially diverse. But it's diverse in different ways. It touches on different things. And they really have characters here that you love to hate. Yeah. And they're fun to watch because usually, and they it drives me crazy because I'm always yelling at the screen and cursing at them. I'm like, oh, I can't stand her. Oh, she's such a bitch. Oh, da, da, da. like, and when you are engaged in a show like that, that means they're doing their job. Um, yeah, we're invested. Yeah. And, and I love this take, this twisted, dark take on the superhero trope and kind of uh, this guy who plays this actor. I looked him up the other day because I was trying to figure out what his name I was like, who is this guy? Anthony excellent, 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 excellent. I mean, he plays that character. I don't know how he plays that role. Some of the crazy stuff that he does, the obsession with the, come on, the obsession with the milk. 
the rest of them is just gross and crazy. I mean, just I stuff like that. Crazy. Like this show throws little things in there that are just crazy. You know, it's just like, ah, but it seems to work. I don't know, but I love it. I'm watching the boys. Uh, last, right. my buddy last, who I haven't seen in a long time, but he and I are You know, last, I knew job of him from you. So didn't we go to like a screening or something once in, in LA and then we came out and then like you saw- well, I, I met him through my girl, for my friend Crescent who lives in LA, who was close, who was friends with him. I know Crescent. I yeah, I met him through Crescent. That was Crescent's yeah. homie and she introduced me, but he's just a cool dude. Um, yeah. Bono, you know, we're Panamanian, he's Cuban. So I'm like, okay. Um, but anyway, so yeah, just I'm I'm happy with the show because, like I said, for the reasons I named, and also it's something different. I love when shows really come and they're fearless. This show they're feels very them. fearless. They take chances. They're not risk averse, <laughs> for that's for damn sure. I mean, every episode they're doing something that you can't watch on traditional TV. ABC, NBC, and CBS aren't going to air this show. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just think it's a wild ride, and it's it's. Uh, it's, it's just really fun. I, I like it. Yeah, I love that's it. The I love that's the first thing. That's the first thing. I'm glad you're watching that. Now, now I know someone I can talk to about this. because I don't know too many people in real life I can talk to about The Boys, but it's great. I love really? it. Really? Oh, my I, gosh. I, I binged that sucker the first uh, season. Like, oh, so did I. Absolutely. Out, but last last year when it came out, I, I knocked it out on the weekend. I was. Oh, yeah. Me too. Me too, for sure. So that's the first thing I'm watching. Okay. The second thing is my beloved Lovecraft country. Really? Okay. Is everything. It is my favorite show right now um, because Grace and Frankie is done and a few of my other shows that I love. Sex Education you know, is done. I love Grace and Frankie. Uh, <laughs> are, are you an 80 year old Panamanian woman? <laughs> yes. And damn it. I love it. I love Grace and Frankie. But Lovecraft Country, what can I say? There's a lot I can say. The first thing is, first of all, the only reason that I just immediately had to watch this was because Jordan Peele is attached to it. I am not a horror girl. Let me just say this off the top. Disclaimer. I do not like horror. I don't like being scared. I don't like any any of that. Um, but Jordan Peele is the only person that has gotten me to break through my horror thing, my little issues with that genre, and to watch his movies. So everything Jordan's done, I've watched, which is basically his two movies, right? Get Out and then Us which were both crazy and freaky and creepy. But when I read, heard about, when I first read that this was coming and heard about it, I said, okay, I'll give this, you know, give it a shot. And I hadn't read the book. I didn't know the history of Love, H.P. Love, is his name H.P. Lovecraft? I think he's the original, who was very racist and all this crazy stuff. But, um, so I haven't read this book, but I've been blown away since day one, first episode. I mean, the cast is outstanding. Um, Jonathan Majors is killing, everyone's killing. Period. The cast is A1, Michael, the great Michael K. Williams. Um, and it's just, I love seeing black people in science fiction. That's just where we're at right now. And, and Jordan helped usher this in. You know, I, I mean, we need to be across every genre because we're everywhere. We're a part of humanity, you know. But of course, we're Hollywood's late to catching up to that. And so right now, Jordan, I think, has ushered in his success, has ushered in this new era, which I'm hoping will stay. This new era of, uh, uh, what is it called? What's the documentary? I'm sure you've seen it. The film noir or something noir, black horror noir or whatever it's called. I have no noir idea. Horror. There's a documentary specifically about the history of black noir. It's called, what is it called? Film noir, noir horror. There's a, there's a term for it. 
okay. Um, okay. that describes black horror is basically what it is. And so the history of that and blah, blah, blah. blah. But I just love seeing, because to me, this isn't pure, I guess it is pure horror. I don't know. I feel, it feels more science. It feels a little science fiction-y to me too. I feel like there's, I don't know. It's like mystery, adventure, and horror all mixed together. And then of course, the, the, the thing with this particular project is the real monsters, of course, is the racism. The real monsters are the white people <laughs> in, the, in the Midwest. Where they, aren't they in the Midwest or are they in the South? I thought they were in the Midwest. I think they're in the Midwest. I think they're, yeah. in the Midwest. I think they're in like Ohio or I don't know exactly where they are, but I thought they were in the Midwest. But anyway, killing on screen, you know, like you know, directly where. But what really kills is Journey Smollett, as oh, yeah. Kurt would call her, <laughs> Journey Smollett's uh, wardrobe. Her costuming. Oh, fabulous. Fabulous. Just incredible. Well, I, incredible. I, I mean, I'm glad you gave such a full-throated defense of Lovecraft Country. We've actually discussed Lovecraft Country on the show in previous weeks, and I, I tapped out. I had to tap out. I was watching <gasps> Draft Mom. You gave it no. episodes, but because it was all right, here, here's the reason why I tapped out. Obviously, okay. well produced, very, you know, well done, all sorts of stuff. The game yeah. money, we ran with it. You know, and the people who are guiding at the top, JJ Abrams, whatever, like yeah. they're, they're they're you know overpowering whatever story that Misha Green wants to tell. Okay, great. Right. But my thing is that all right, so one, I'm not a much of a horror guy. I am kind of sci-fi, but the first and the first episode was cool. The second episode really almost threw me out of it because now we're into this whole thing where all right, so you got the secret society, you got some sort of magic going on. Okay, cool, but what are the rules of this world? I hate when someone sets up like, mm -hmm. you know, anything that's like got magical properties but without explaining the freaking rules. Cause then it seems like you mm -hmm. say a spell and, any, and you're out of any jam. It makes no sense. That's why I never got into Harry Potter. I didn't read the books. So when I saw the movies and I saw the first three and a half movies, cause I think I walked out of the fourth one. I was like, I'm, I don't need to do this. I'm done. I, mm -hmm. I explained the rules to me that I'm out. Star Wars, the force. You can move shit with your hand, your mind, or whatever. You know, it can do this, but you can't do that. Okay, we got some rules. Mm -hmm. Love, it seemed like they were making stuff up as they went along. The third episode was better than the second episode to me, but still, I was like, this is too much. It's a, it was a different episode every week, and I'm mm -hmm. I personally don't like anthologies, like you know, like if, like where you're gonna have like a. Like like Black Mirror, for example. I don't watch Black Mirror. I watched. Oh, I loved Black Mirror. Ed, Black Mirror was so good. No, it's ah. good. I know I'm missing out. I just yes. doing, I just don't like doing anthologies because it takes so much mental energy, at least for me, to invest in new characters every time and watch uh. of creating believable, investable enough characters in however many minutes they have, and then dilute. Mm -hmm. I don't. I'm an okay. Now, I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that perspective of the anthology piece. But that's it. May come across like that, but I don't. I don't consider this an anthology. I think what they're just doing is they're just telling. We're learn. They're fleshing out each character a little more, so we learn more about the characters. They each kind of get their own little episode. Mm -hmm. That's no, all it is. It's not taken away from the main story. We're just learning more about like who each of them are and what they're like. She, her in the middle, uh, go back. Ingenious, yeah. yeah, yeah. how do you pronounce her name? Ingenue. Ingenue, that's how you pronounce her name. Oh, that's a great name. I didn't know how to pronounce it. I've seen it in print, but yeah. she um, is fabulous. And she, her episode is this week where she's oh, got a whole wow. thing about her and that ties to him. And I and I heard he might be coming back, Courtney Vance's character. <laughs> yes. 
back from I'm the I'm so into it. I'm Once so again, into What it. are the rules? We can bring, we can okay, the rules are, I can tell you. I can no, tell you. No, what no, I'm, I'm, I'm being facetious. I don't want to know the rules. I'm already out. I'm out. I'm out. Oh, Ed? Really? Look, one thing you will learn as oh. our community manager in this wonderful cinema draft community we are building with your help soon is that there is so much good stuff to watch every week. I'm, I have a backlog of good stuff I want to watch. Because I know, me too. I do too. We, we find so many new shows or movies, whatever, each week. I mean, it's hard to see them all. So, so if, I mean, and I mean, and I want, I want to love Lovecraft. I was very excited about it. Didn't quite live up to my expectations, what have you. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad we've got this kind of diversity, you know, showing this part of the, you know, African diaspora in action. You know, we are more than one thing. And that's great. But it's just, y'all just have to enjoy it without me, I guess. Um, oh, shoot. That's cool. All right. All right. Let's move on to our main. Did we do both your shows? Yeah, we did both your shows you're watching. Okay. Cool. Yeah, we did both. Um, yeah, those are the, what I'm currently watching. I have to add a couple things to the list, though. Okay. Uh, I'm adding Cobra Kai. Finally. <laughs> You're in for a treat. That's a I keep treat. hearing what is so good about Cobra Kai? Like Child, I mean, it I mean, even when it was announced, it sounded like a joke and it wouldn't work, right? It sounded but, cheesy to me. But I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you, these guys, not only do they revere the original IP, but the fact that that I mean, I I'm so excited about Cobra Kai. It's just so well done. You very rarely see it's not even like a reboot. It's it's an extension of that universe. It's coming okay. to these guys 20, okay. no, 30 years later, whatever. Right. He's like a broke down, uh, this is like mechanic or handyman or whatever to an extent, um, uh, who who's kind of like down as luck. Whereas uh, uh, Danny LaRusso is mm-hmm. now a super successful uh, car dealer in in the valley, in like in like the the. The San Fernando Valley, right? They're like billboards everywhere, and he uses like this corny little "I'm gonna hiya the prices" or whatever. He basically oh that one moment in their lives totally reversed their fortunes. Johnny oh. went from cool, you know, rich, successful kid to okay. down of luck, you know, kind of broke, and then mm-hmm. you know, De La Russo is now the man, and it's just great. And then you see their family. He's got like a daughter and a son who are both a little bit kind of into karate, maybe not. And he's got. I mean, it's just, it's really well done, and like the way that they. That makes you question: Is Danny actually the bad guy in this situation now? Really, is he the asshole? Yeah, no, seriously. So, I mean, because the it kind of it mostly follows. I mean, it's it's been on it's a bit on a two track. You know, it kind of treats both their stories equally. Whereas in the Karate mm-hmm. Kid, it was Danny LaRusso's story, but no, in Cobra right. Kai, it's both their stories, and you do kind of sympathize more with Johnny because of how life's treated him because he's kind of stuck in the past. too. So he's a bit anachronistic, doesn't really have like, a, doesn't have like a, has like a flip cell phone. It's like modern day, it's not like a flip phone. You know, mm-hmm. he still says shit like, you know, chicks and babes. And he's very kind of like, you know, he's, he's throwback, right? And so yeah. he's kind of trying to deal with the modern world and he ends up starting the, do- restarting the Cobra Kai dojo, mm-hmm. uh, kind, kind of to find himself a little bit, but also to kind of inspire some of these students at the local high school that are kind of you know nerds and outcasts. It's really fun. It's really heartwarming. Oh, oh my show. gosh! It's because listen, I love the Karate Kid. I live yeah. for the Karate Kid. The first two movies, the third one was terrible, but the the Karate Kid is everything. It's it's in my top ten, twenty of eighties movies. Eighties movies are my favorite movies, so I'm already emotionally there and connected to Karate Kid. So I love this. And I've heard literally nothing but good things from every, I've not heard one negative thing about this. Whoopi Goldberg goes on and on about it on The View every day. So I'm <laughs> yeah, like, let me watch this Cobra Kai. 
So that's up 8, next. 8.7, this is too low. This is too low. I mean, 64,000 sample size, so you're probably, it's not. they're not all going to agree, but 8.7 is too low. This is easily a 9.5. I mean, everyone loves this show. It's it's outstanding. Okay. I bet if we went episode by episode, they'd be higher scores than this, but it's a great show. I, I love that. So I, I got to go through three seasons. Okay, so they're on season three. Okay. Yeah, yeah season three hasn't come out yet, but um, yeah. It's, oh, season uh, two, two, so just two seasons. Yeah, two seasons, 10 episodes each. Half oh, hour, I can do that. Okay. Half hour episode, so you're good. Oh, yeah, I can knock that out in a weekend, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, Cobra Kai, baby. All right. All right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so to our topic of this podcast today, it is yes. our top five Eddie Murphy movie. Hey. <laughs> Let's go, Eddie. Eddie. I love you, Eddie. <laughs> you, Eddie. That's right. So the way it works is you name a favorite Eddie Murphy movie, we alternate mm-hmm. picks. Once someone picks a movie, that movie's out of play. We must, however, take a pause before we go into our Eddie Murphy deep dive and just talk about the elephant in our room. One of the things that has bound us together as friends over the decades. And I mean, it is our mutual love and affection for the best, not only the best Eddie Murphy movie, but the best movie of all time. That's correct. Not up for debate. Not Not at all. Not at all. Boomerang, the 1992 classic. Yes. That I love unequivocally that we can quote backwards and forwards. I'm going to turn the floor over to you for a second, Ethan. Let's you wax poetic on why this is your favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Oh, my Boomerang. So, my God, what is there not to like about Boomerang? I mean, first of all, this for me is, it may have been when I think back, okay, 92 we were in high school. So I was in high school. So what was that freshman year? I thought I was like 92. Yeah. I saw it. So this may have been the first black romantic comedy. Was this the first black rom com? Maybe not. Or was it? It's the first one I remember. I'll say it that way. I well, can't it was the first one where they spent like a little money on it and looked like sharp and everyone was like really polishing together that I can remember. Yeah. Yes. This was, that's, that's the other piece. I'm getting to that. Yes. Yeah, so the first thing is the romantic comedy piece. This was a black rom-com. That's essentially in our language today in, the, in 2020, but well, how we would describe this. Um, this was um, my first time seeing Eddie be so classy and be a leading man in a way that was, like you said, everyone looked fabulous. Everyone was uh, educated. Everyone was smart. Everyone had money. Everyone wasn't in the hood. Everyone wasn't trying to kill each other. Mm-hmm. All of that drama. Not now. Those no shade to those kinds of stories. Those stories are important, and you know, the boys in the hood kind of genre is important for that. But, kid. Uh, for people who are like millennials and younger who are watching this, you have to keep in mind that in the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s, all we were getting were a flood of hood flicks. That's right. Boys in the Hood, you know, when when everyone wanted their own hood flick. New Jack City was also, I think, 91. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. all a lot of us were drugs in the hood. We had no dimension. So this was a really great palate cleanser at the time. Absolutely. And then, so that was the first thing. The other thing in this was, this was a classic Eddie. All of Eddie's movies have, well, not all, but let me, let me, let me reword. Let me say this the right way. Most of Eddie's movies have this beautiful quality of like the comedy that runs through it. <laughs> so it's like you're watching, there's a specific kind of quality to it that, it reminds me of the the Keenan Ivory, it reminds me of like the same tone as like a I'm a get you sucker or Hollywood shuffle 
Like there was this early eighties particular kind of comedy feel to a film where you were taking it seriously, but at the same time you knew you were watching a comedy. It was like the jokes and the gags and the sketches were all through it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what this is too. This is, it's a rom-com, but it's actually funny, but it's black people funny. It celebrates black culture. It's, um, first of all, the cast is gorgeous. Everyone's beautiful. Everything looks good. I remember one of the early, uh, I read, a, I forgot what I was listening to or watching, but one of the early critics, I forgot which critic it was, of one of the early, early reviews of this from the 90s, one of the critics noted, oh, where are all the white people in this film? <laughs> and I was like, really? Like that really bothered the critic that there was this world in New York where it was all black and brown people. Yeah, exactly. Which was the opposite of what we're used to seeing. But anyway, and then um, and then on top of that, look at all the cameos: Eartha Kitt, Chris Rock. The casting. Uh, I mean, we could go on and on here. I mean, it's just and then of uh, of course on top of all of that, it's just plain funny. It's it's just laugh out loud, beat for beat. Every scene, look how glamorous Robin looks. She looks uh, fabulous. Um, beat for beat funny. And that's the thing that Eddie, this movie does so well. Not all of Eddie's movies, but this movie, did, oh, this is my favorite scene, one of my favorite scenes. My favorite <laughs> scene in the film, I think, is this one here. But what he does, what this film does so well is it really balances the comedy with everything else. You are going to laugh in Boomerang. You're going to cry, maybe in a couple places, maybe at the end. Um, it's heartwarming. It has heart. Um, it's urban. It's it's black. It's unapologetically black as fuck. Can we curse on the podcast? Okay. Just, uh, <laughs> it's black as fuck. It's funny. And it's just beautiful. It's black excellence all the way through the characters. Now, it's not a perfect film. Now, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I've never looked at it with a critical eye. So I'd have to like Google some of the old reviews to see what people didn't like about it. Cause I just love it so much. <laughs> I like, there's nothing wrong with Boomerang to me. So um, it's just the first film I've seen in a long time where I, I could watch it over and over along with my, my school days sweatshirt, of course, my favorite Spike Lee movie. But even school days, I can't, I, I'll watch multiple times but nothing is like Boomerang to me. I literally just, I never get tired of it. Well, amen. And you honestly said pretty much everything I would have said. Uh, I would just be kind of, you know, uh, uh, the choir, you know, backing you up. But I, it's it's a movie that I literally watch at least once every nine to twelve months on general principle. Mm -hmm. Couple times a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to keep my soul alive. You know, I mean, just because mm -hmm. I, mean, I don't ever like forget. You know the best stuff. I just, I just need, I just need that dope. I mean, Stranger is part of my personal cultural lexicon, and it has been since I saw this fucking movie like thirty something years ago. When I went with my girlfriend Trace to the theater, I, I came out to Stranger, Stranger. The entire, I mean, and black people know what you're saying. At least black people yes. of a certain age know right. what. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're we're of a certain age now. Sadly, we look fabulous. Oh, but we are, you know. Uh, we're we're entering our middles, whatever. Um, but if you say to someone, you know, if, you know, within ten years of us, you know, Strange, Strange, they know exactly what you mean. It's excellent. I, I love I love this movie. Oh, and that's the other thing. Thank you for bringing that up. How could I leave that out? That's the other. That's the third thing that makes this movie excellent. Is it's um, so full of cultural references, black cultural references. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of my slang comes from this 
from The Last Dragon, from, you know, but that's a Black thing. We kind of really take our movies to heart and they become a part of our culture, a part of our lexicon, or it used to be that way. I don't know if it's that way as much now, maybe a little, but. I, I think um, actually now, I think uh, we get more of it from music and musicians, I would say. Hmm. Or maybe TV now, because TV yeah, is yeah. so much more compelling, you know? I mean, half the TV shows we watch are like little movies. Really, I mean, Lovecraft is a great example of that. J.J. Adri- Abrams, I think, has brought a real movie feel to that, even though you're not watching it. But anyway, <laughs> so Boomerang is everything. Um, it, it is everything. All of you listening to watch it, if you haven't already, go watch it, find it, play it, get your life, enjoy. You're welcome. Yeah, and I'm sure many of them have, because we actually did a, a Boomerang live tweet for some of the friends in the Brancy Slack. How, you know, shout out to the Brancy Slack slackers who have been uh, guests on the pod as well. We did a, a live tweet, I think about maybe four or five months ago, and it was great. It was great having a shout out to our girl, Christy. Uh, she's, uh, I think, 27, 28 year old Brit living over in uh, DC. She'd never seen Boomerang before. You know, she's too young. Oh, wow. So, you know, uh, uh, white girl too. So she's young, white, British, first time watching Boomerang. Her comments were gold. It was- What'd she think? Did she love it? No, no, she, she loved it, but it was funny because she's like, that's an HR violation. Oh, that's sexual harassment. Oh, well, what, what's going on here? <laughs> oh my God, that's Why so are they still meeting their friends? I mean, she was so- That's so funny. Oh my God, great. that's so funny. So shout out to you, Christy. Uh, yeah, I mean, we have to get you on the pod one of these times, Chris. I love a good accent. Yeah. I love a good accent. Um, yeah, and so one other thing about Boomerang, as you know, there is a forced bit of an extended universe, this boomerang thing where there was a TV show that came out. I think it's on yes. Plus. Have you it watched was on it? BT. I've not seen the TV show. I understand Hallie was a producer or executive producer. I think it's Hallie and Lena Waithe came together to make that happen. I actually have not seen the TV show. I didn't really have an interest in the TV show. Um, have you seen it? What did you think? I did. I saw like I, I saw a few episodes before I. Well, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I tapped out. It's just I didn't have BT at the time. So the few episodes I saw were kind of like you know random. And then after that, I just couldn't keep up with it. Now that we've got BT, I actually try to look it up on on my YouTube TV, but it's not on there. So I think they shifted all those episodes over to BT Plus. Hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I don't want to pay ten bucks a month to watch this stuff. So I may still seek it out. You know, through other means, but uh, right now, you know, I'm good. It was it was decent. I, I I liked what they were trying to do. It was essentially the kids. It was like Jacqueline's daughter and Marcus's son. They're not together. They're separately. They're oh like, okay. In this world, we and we never see Hallie or Eddie, but in this world, I guess you know Eddie and our uh, you know uh, Marcus and Angela definitely did get together. Had had a kid. And their kid is now a hotshot young ad exec, kind of like, you know, kind of like both of them. And is trying to make his way in Atlanta. And he's got like a really cool core group of friends. Uh, you know, uh, one's like a, a openly, you know, laid back bisexual dude. One of them's um, his best friend uh, throughout, like uh, from like childhood, which happens to be the Jacqueline's daughter person. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. So you see Leah White stamp on it. It wasn't bad. Uh, it was the, it was it was kind of good. I just didn't have enough of a sample size. I don't know if that would work without seeing them. Like, why can't they do cameo? They it would ground it more and make it more official to me if Hallie and Robin and they don't have to be in every episode, but at least cameos or something to like tie it together. Otherwise, why call it Boomerang? Just make it a show about young black people in Atlanta. 
Yeah, which I often thought, <laughs> you know, there's no tie to the if there's no tie to the film, you know, it's kind of like, how do we know that's Jacqueline's daughter? We see a picture of Robin. Oh, this is my mom or something yeah, like. Pretty much. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, I have to watch it. I don't want to judge. I haven't watched it, but yeah, and I, and I just think if you're going to call it Boomerang, then tie it to the tie it to the movie. Make it leg legitimize it by having Eddie pop in every couple episodes. Just even if he's on the phone, even if it's you know just something to like tie it together. Otherwise, it's just a cool show about young black people in Atlanta. Back of the truck, BET. Give Eddie whatever he wants. Make a cameo. <laughs> yeah, and have Hallie, Hallie pop in, and Hallie could be in it, and be you know like she doesn't have to be a main character, but show me something from from the movie <laughs> like. Otherwise, Yvonne? you're just using the name, you know. Yvonne, hey girl, don't trust those kids. <laughs> Tisha, what you might have my weight, my size, doggy style. Doggy style, bro. Woohoo! Yo, we could do this all night. I'm sorry. All night. We're gonna, all night. We're gonna, People don't understand that we could literally do this all night. We, we could do, you know, and and we may just have to do a, a beat for beat entire boomerang pod one of these days, just on oh, the yeah. road. Uh, just, just, just for shits and giggles. It's one of my favorite movies. Also, one of Bill Simmons' favorite movies. Uh, and because this is our favorite movie, we are taking it out of contention. This is, you know, it just, it's in the pantheon. It goes untouched. We must take our five picks from other Eddie Murphy movies. So, yes. Yes. as always, guests go first. And in the spirit of Bonami, you take the first <laughs> pick, Ife. What's your first film? My first film in my top five Eddie Murphy list is Coming to America. Got to take it off the board because if you didn't, I would. <laughs> Way to play the game. Tell us about Coming to America and why you like it so much. Oh, my God. First of all, you know, the sequel will be out in December. Ugh. And I heard the sequel's dope. I heard it was really good. Um, is it going to be out, out, or is it going to be on streaming? I think it's going to be full. I don't, oh, I don't know. I think they, they might, might try, try, to to try to do a theatrical release. Uh, I hope they, dang it. That's right. I, you know, I don't know. I'm going to go either way. I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll stream yeah. it, whatever. I, mean, yeah. I'm, I can't wait to see it. Um, Coming to America is just a classic. Again, out loud. This is, now the beauty of Coming to America is, is it's late 80s, but it's 80s, Eddie. It's late 80s. Eddie, it's late 80s movie tone. Arsenio's in it with him. It just has that 80s comedy feel. Um, we hadn't, because we hadn't gone into the 90s yet. This is like 88. I want to say this was 87 or 80. I want to say it was 88. Maybe in 89. 87. It's, so, what yeah, it, it's yeah. late 80s. Huh? Yeah, it looks like it's 88. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, so. Um, and it's just beat for beat funny. This was, um, now, this was the first time we got to see Eddie do all of these iconic characters, which he does later in other films, but this was him and all of his brilliance getting to really do the characters that once again- Sexual chocolate! <laughs> exactly, <laughs> have become cultural, like um, just part of black culture and just part of how we absorb film and we absorb the lexicon and we absorb all these things. Um, and all this stuff becomes a part of our lexicon and how we relate and how we speak. Also, this was Eddie doing the suave, you know, lead character like he likes to do. Um, he's done that in other films as well that are on my list. Um, but it's good to see him go to Africa or have something that was Africa sort of based, even though Zamunda is a 
fictional country and it's definitely no Wakanda, but uh, yeah, it was just great to see him touch on that. Um, and the cast was wonderful and it was just, it had heart and I love that. Everything that's on my list, all of the movies I've chosen of his in my top five, all are hilarious, but they all have heart. And Eddie is at his best when he balances comedy with heart. And this is just, again, black as fuck. This is just with an African touch, you know, uh, which I appreciated. So, and everything about it is just black excellence. Funny, funny, funny. I don't know if there's one scene that's not funny. That, that's the God's honest. <laughs> and I will say this, the thing, especially in 88, so in 88, we're, you know, late middle school, whatever. It was especially rare back in the 80s to find, to not only to see such a display of black excellence, but see such a display of African excellence. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, don't know, I mean, I don't know about you, but we grew up, I mean, I remember distinctly seeing all those commercials about starving children out of Africa, Sally Struthers begging for just, you know, 30 cents a day, cup of coffee a day, support starving African child. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, Africa's much more than that. It's the birthplace of civilization, crying out loud. So it was great to see, you mm -hmm. know, Africa elevated <clears throat> to just to, to royalty, literal, literal royalty, to see us reflected at the Absolutely. height of liberal royalty to show, I mean, and to show all the divisions, you know, we're not a monolith, you know, you could have, you know, mm -hmm. rich, bougie black folks and middle-class bougie black folks who are different <laughs> people bougie than them, you know, and then also, you know, poor, you know, see the whole spectrum of of our humanity and blackness. It was, it was great. And for it to be Wonderful. so funny, just so, so funny with all these yes. great summers, so many great lines. Mama called Clay, I'm a call Clay. Yeah, it's brilliant. And Eddie just on full display of his genius, full display. Everything that Eddie does well in a film, he does in here. Yeah, and Eddie also man, film, the, the comedy, the ad libbing, the he can be serious when he needs to. He can. Be, I mean, this wasn't a heavy drama, but there were dramatic moments. But right. No, and and yeah, it's just it was it's just a great film, and also really, I mean, at least when I was a kid, really made me want to know a little bit more about Africa. It was the side yeah. of Africa I wasn't exposed to over here in the states. So Absolutely. excellent first pick. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad you picked it. I already catered for it, so I'm going to go with another fairly obvious one, and that's going to be oh man, it's tough. Well, I know you too, so I'm I'm take this one off the board. I'm going Dream Girls. Damn it, I'm going Dream Girls. Not on my list, no. <laughs> All right, well, then I know your next one already. All right, well, Dream Girls, I thought you'd pick because it's got the whole singing aspect to it. And he and he was nominated for Oscar, and I honestly should have won that fucking Oscar. But um, yeah, he probably should have. This is just, this. I mean, this isn't entirely, say, an Eddie Murphy film, per se. Mm -hmm. He's definitely a supporting character on this. But he, I mean, he kills it. He just absolutely kills it. You know, uh, late middle-aged suave, you know, doing his thing. Out there, you know, uh, I mean, at this, this whole production, I'm, I'm, I'm biased a little bit because I remember seeing and being invited to, to like uh, a tape performance. They're still filming it. They invited a bunch of movie critics when I still somehow was able to get on these lists. And we went down to, um, was it Orpheum or some, one of those theaters downtown LA, watched uh, Beyonce in real time do a performance on the stage, whatever. And they had a little uh, key key in the back, you know, for the press and everything. And I was just really impressed with the whole production and and how it looked and the storytelling and the singing oh my god that dream girl soundtrack's incredible and so oh, this god. is the type of role which reminds you oh. that eddie murphy is a five tool talent as they would say in baseball he can sing he can act like he can direct too he did he did another movie that 
It's probably going to be off the board pretty soon. You know, he's he's got all those talents, and he had a lot of them on display in a role that was largely considered a comeback role for him. And mm-hmm. I think even an even better part of his performance had nothing to do with the movie. It was outside the movie at the Oscars when they had the camera on him, and he didn't win Best Sporting uh, Oscar, and he was just fucking through. You can see his face, he was just like livid and he tried to restrain it. That I'll never forget was one of the great all time Oscar performances. <laughs> he tried not to lose his shit on national TV. So here's to you, here's to you, Eddie Murphy. Great performance in Dream Girls. I loved it. <sighs> okay, what's your next film then? <laughs> uh, I just, I, I can't. I loved Eddie's performance in this, but Dream Girls is. The original mute. I'm very biased about Dreamgirls. I didn't like the movie because I'm a hard, hard, hardcore fan of the original musical. Okay. So okay. that's a different story. But Eddie did. Eddie was wonderful in it. Yeah, it wasn't my favorite performance from him though. But I thought he was great in it. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right. So, what is your next film? Number two on my list is the great, iconic, Raw. Oh, comedy film. Okay. Yep. That's my number two. That is my number two. Where is it? Uh Uh-oh. No, no. Raw Eddie. There we go. What's going on here? There, Eddie Murphy Raw. There it is. Now, let me say, I don't even need to explain why this is a classic because (laughs) (laughs) it's just one of the greatest concert films of all time. True. Um, And the, but here's the thing. There's so many things from this that we all know and are funny and the, all the everything. But the funny, the again, like I said earlier, for me, Eddie is at his best when he balances heart and comedy. Um, and the funniest part of Raw to me, maybe not the funniest, but the most significant part of Raw to me is probably the part no one remembers. I don't know if anyone, I've never, I'll say it this way. I've never heard anybody talk about this, but to me it's significant just for my own personal reasons. At the very end of Raw, the last joke Eddie does, he goes out, he's imitating his dad or is he imitating his mom? I can't remember if his mom, no, it's his dad. He's imitating his dad. Um, And I believe his dad was an alcoholic. Oh. There's a part where he's imitating and he's and he's doing this whole thing and he's talking about, but there's just something about the way he, and he's describing actually a very serious um, thing. He's describing a scene of, I think when his dad would come home or something when his dad was having one of his drunk fits or something. And, you know, he, but, but if there was just something about the way he imitates his dad and the way he took a very, um, probably a painful childhood memory, but his talent, came through and he did an amazing amazing mimic impression. I don't know, there was just something about that for me, the way that last joke and the way he did that, that whole thing with his dad and his family. That to me was very um, just genius and touching and real. And and everything before that is hilarious. There's nothing in Raw that's not funny. I mean, everything in Raw, there's some stuff that could be considered controversial, of course, and stereotypical, but that's 80s humor. Most 80s comics, from his era, which is the 80s, like late 70s, but mainly the 80s, you know, most of their stuff, everybody that came out of that, which is what we grew up in, most of that stuff was what we would consider today to be politically incorrect. It was definitely, so, 
Absolutely. You know, um, but raw is pure funny and pure genius. And it's funny. I'll never forget Eddie said in an interview years ago that when he was talking about this movie, his concert movies, he was like, anytime you see me in a leather suit, he said, I, I, I was disconnected. You know, I was not, I was not grounded. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, okay. He was like, he was talking about how he went. I mean, he was leathered down with the, with the gloves and everything. I mean, yeah, was, yeah. I, I feel yeah, too much leather. Too much yeah, leather. Too much leather. I mean, I feel hot looking <laughs> right <laughs> All right, well, you, you did not disappoint. That is definitely off my list. So I'm going to go ahead and claim one that before it definitely gets taken up. And it's Harlem Nights, of course. And uh, yeah, that's 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 not in my five, but it's in my alternative list, my special okay. mention list. Okay, yeah, Harlem Nights, and <laughs> well, I, I kept thinking I was younger when I saw this, but '89. I mean, I guess I was what twelve. Yeah, that's eighth grade. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, eighth grade. So I just remember my, my mom took me to see this in the theater, and I remember distinctly <laughs> leaving her like. 12 rows back and sitting up towards the front because I don't want to be with my mom at this one. I didn't want to be near my mom at this one. And I was just so blown away by how incredibly funny, raunchy, fast, crazy, just, I mean, it, it had a little something for everybody. So I just, yeah. Raw, Raw is something, I mean, Raw, Raw is, is, is universally beloved for, for other reasons, but, uh, but Harlem Nights, I think, definitely has like a cult uh, Halloween, a, a, a cult standing, maybe. Okay, cult. it definitely does. It definitely, does. and I haven't seen Harlem Nights in a while. Um, I need to watch it again. Um, I mean, I think, I think people do appreciate, you know, what he. Uh, I, I think people do appreciate uh, what he was able to pull off in Harlem Nights because it was. I think it was his first directing gig. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, did he directed? I don't know. I, I forgot that he directed. Yeah, he, he wrote and directed this. If I actually oh, let me not. Let me I forgot about that. that. Okay. Check. I'm pretty sure he wrote and directed. Yeah, director Eddie Murphy, writer Eddie Murphy. Oh wow. Okay. So I knew he was just so excited to work with Richard Pryor, his idol. You know. Yeah. Oh, wait. Is the one of those reviews? Hold on a second. Okay. Six point one. Okay. Because I remember when it came out, like critics savage it. They didn't know what to do with it. They thought it's it was too black. This is this is black, black, black humor. Blackity black, black, black. Yes. yes. All black the way American live. No question. All the way live, and I loved it. I really, I really appreciated that. And and it was just, I mean, another one with a lot of great lines. He shot me in my pinky toe. He shot yeah. me in my pinky toe. Every time, yeah, yeah. Every time, every time there's like a little bit of orange juice left, I'm like, you just believe a little swallow of orange juice? And, and the what, don't leave a little swallow of orange juice left <laughs> in the in the jar. I mean, I just, I mean, everyone once once again, this 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 I think we can definitely give up to Eddie Murphy's that he had a career long obsession with making us look our best. These fucking suits. Look at these suits. Yep. Look at it looks fabulous. Glamour. Ooh. Glamour. Glamorous. Always, mm -hmm. always look clean. Eddie I love always it. looked clean. Mm -hmm. I mean, a little of bit of- Of course, Arsenio had to be in there. Yeah, and very Fox. This over the top gangster element. <laughs> I'm trying. I got to kill my ass. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenio's so stupid. So goofy. And yeah, and that's, I mean, and that's also another great- um, Hollywood, Hollywood friendship. I'm not sure if they're still cool to this day, but they are. They're still close. Yeah, that's good because it was really cool to see him put his boys, people we like working with, in his film, especially as he got to the height of his Eddie Murphyness. So yeah, that was really very cool. Yeah, great film. Good, good stuff. Yeah, the great Danny Aiello. Jasmine looks fabulous when she was young and fine, yeah. and, and all the way. John is sunshine. 
<laughs> yes, classic. That's just black stuff. It's black. Yes, unapologetic. Everybody looks beautiful. They look beautiful and glamorous. And there's that know, swallow orange juice. <laughs> Her face about to change. <laughs> you don't know what he's good for. <laughs> I mean, Della made the movie in a lot of ways. Yeah, she was. She was a good. She was definitely a good heat check in that one. She definitely came in, burned it up. On in time, she was there. So that's my that's my third movie, Harlem Nights. What okay. is your fourth one? No, this is my third. Oh, sorry, your third. Okay, my oh, third. Oh, my bad. Okay, yeah, that's you're right. That's the second one. All right. Um, we're gonna stay in the '80s, which okay. is my favorite genre, or, or not genre, my favorite decade of Eddie Murphy films. Okay. Number three for me is The Golden Child. God dang it! No! What are you doing? Yes. Golden oh, Child is my number three, man. Curious. Come I love on, Golden Child. I love it. Forget that one. Oh, <laughs> Brother Nunsi, why'd you do this to me? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I want the knife. Come on. That's classic. Oh, damn. Well That's played. Eddie's just black funny. He just is. Like, well played. Same as Chris Rock. But, um, I'm losing my but shit yeah, anyway, so Eddie Murphy, first of all, that hat. <laughs> I may have owned I may have owned that hat just because of this. <laughs> this poster, uh, I see this poster everywhere. Poster, I, I need that poster in my house when I get my new place. Um, so again, I'm just gonna keep saying it because it's true. Eddie's at his best. Now we're seeing a little more action, Eddie. This is more action adventure, Eddie, before some of his other films where he shows that too. But in here, we're getting the action adventure, Eddie. He's in Asia, he's you know, uh but he's still himself and he still brings that black humor, that Eddie humor. Um, but I loved, I, first of all, I love a good eighties movie with a child, mm. with a kid in the center. And eighties movies were really good for centering kids, okay. which is a whole other podcast. There's tons of movies with some of the great eighties movies that would have young people in it, either teenagers or kids, right? Right. So right. I love the balance of Eddie with the kid. It was basically a buddy film, but it was a kid. And I like that. And I like that it was a little Asian kid. And he had the gorgeous Asian woman who I forgot the actress who played the woman. Charlotte something. I, it just came to me. Charlotte. The love interest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was her name? Yeah, she was. Oh, I was captivated by her. Yeah, she was beautiful. She's gorgeous. And Eddie just has a way of <laughs> Charlotte. elevating everything with his funny. He just made, he just, when he goes into his comedy, in, into his Eddie moments, he makes everything better. He brings levity. At, I want the knife. You know that whole scene was happening. You know that was not, you know that. We all know that. Yep. But that's the best thing about it is Eddie is going to bring, or at this time in his career, I think it's a little different now, but at this time in his career, he was going to bring that Eddie levity to it, that Eddie touch um, that made everything better in the 80s in, in these films. So yeah, for me and and I grew up, I'm an 80s kid. I grew up on 80s TV, on 80s films, and 80s music. It's, those are my favorites. They always will be. Um, that was my adolescence. Those are the best to me. And this is one of my favorite uh, 80s movies. I'm distraught. I'm distraught. I'm not sure if you can see me. I think my camera went down again. Yeah, the camera went off. I can't see you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fix that uh, at, our, at our break. But uh, I, am, I am distraught. I'm undone. I I just knew you weren't coming for this movie. I thought I could <laughs> safely pick it with my my, my nope. fourth or fifth pick. I'm gonna uh, happen. 
excellent taste. That's why that's why I fucks with you, Ife. You got great taste, damn it. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you so much. It's just, I mean, it, it's just great. It's, it's awesome. I don't know what I don't know what, what more to say that you already that you already say. I yeah. remember, I remember being a little scared of this movie only because '86. I think it's about 10, 11, something like that. And I remember like, and there are some. Well, I wouldn't say horror elements, but the whole that supernatural thing with Charles Dance. Charles Dance, great actor. You know, most people know him now from Game of Thrones as um, uh, with not. Tyrion, Lann Tyrion Lannister's dad, I forget his name, Tywin. There we go, Tywin Lannister. But you know, before you know, before that, he's had like an extensive stage and film career, and this was like a really good villain part for Charles Dance. And I just remember him scaring me a little bit because he kind of looked like the devil himself when he's doing his little transformation or his eyes would flash and he do his little magical whatever. And uh, he, you know, <laughs> my brother Numsi. I mean, he's just he's just oh him, yeah, yeah. He's just a great actor and and can and really yeah. does play a great villain. So yeah, yeah. I, that's all I have to add to the Golden Child. Excellent pick. I'm mad, and I'm I I, I don't say I'm scrambling, but I'm just gonna go ahead and pick. God dang it! All right, <laughs> this is your number else. four. This is your number four? No, no, no. So this is actually my third. You're right. I only done three because I already crossed off coming to America because you took that as well. Yes. So so this is actually my third. <sighs> Damn it. Um. All right, get together. Uh, <laughs> That's that's another movie right there, which I won't pick right now. Uh, I'm gonna use. I'm gonna take Dolomite is my name. Ah, that was my number five. Yes. All right. So, not as big a blow as the Golden Child because my goodness, that really is a coup. Well done. But uh, I am taking it off the board because it is recent. Because it is excellent. It is an Eddie Murphy star vehicle. It's Eddie Murphy. You know, once I mean, he keeps. I won't say he keeps reinventing himself, but he keeps reinventing ways to stay relevant, and he really mm -hmm. did. He really does like make himself not only just the center of this thing, but also kind of like the emotional center. Like you really kind of feel for Rudy Ray Moore. This guy is like, look, there's no avenue in for me in this in this uh, movie industry, so I'm gonna make one. I don't care if I got a gut. I don't care if I'm doing you know basically softcore porn. I don't care you know if no one's gonna give me any money. I'm just gonna hijack locations. I'm gonna you know jerry rig this entire production. I'm gonna get some you know uh, untrained actors to come in play some parts, whatever. I'm I'm gonna be in crazy amounts of debt. All this sounds like the entrepreneur's journey, and I all I can say is I relate to it entirely, <laughs> entirely. And then he of course, himself with an amazing cast. I'm sorry. He surrounds himself with an amazing cast. He's very yeah. good at that. Divine Joy Randolph it showcased her. So grateful for that. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, she it, it's and you know Mike Epps, all these guys. It's great, <laughs> and he really leans into it. He has the thing about Eddie. Is that when he commits to something, he really doesn't have any vanity, right? I mean, he, he there's no vanity to his porn. So if he's like, I'm gonna be this kind of schlumpy middle-aged guy, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be schlumpy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna poke my, my my poke my stomach out. I'm gonna parade mm -hmm. around like I own it, you know. Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore didn't care, so he don't care. I mean, so not a lot of actors, or not every actor, but let me put it that way, is willing to be you know vain free, vanity free. He don't care. He'll he'll do what's required as so long as it makes you laugh or makes you connect. Mm -hmm. So that's why Dolomite is my name is my third pick. Great choice. That's in my top five. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. It's a lovely, lovely film. Great film, and I really enjoyed it. Um, okay, my number four. <laughs> Look at that picture. <laughs> I love it. I love that. That was too funny. Um, Number four for me is Beverly Hills Cop, the first one. Oh, okay. 
the original Beverly Hills Cop. That's um, a worthy distinction. We have to go back to the apes. We're staying in the 80s for me because I've been in the 80s so far this whole list. My, okay. you know, um, Axel Foley is a classic character, an iconic character. Here we see Eddie in, um, well, we've seen him in this before. I chose Beverly Hills Cop because, again, it's Eddie balancing um, heart with comedy. But this one also shows another side of him that I really like, and that's Eddie when he gets in kind of action hero mode. I like that. Um, he's able to do that as well. Not so much action from like a physical sense where he's like a, you know, martial arts or anything dramatic like that, or Tom Cruise who does all his own stunts, nothing extreme like that, but he's able to just show that he can do kind of the action hero police buddy cop type thing. So I love that. I like Eddie in that role. I like Eddie solving a mystery. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, again, it's fun. It's, you know, classic stuff, you know, lines. Um, I haven't, I have to revisit the Beverly Hills Cop films. I haven't seen all of them back to back in a long time. Um, but yeah, Beverly Hills Cop, um, just a lot of fun. And again, Axel Foley, a classic character and the soundtrack. Mm. Classic soundtrack, so. The Neutron Dance. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, all the reasons you mentioned, true, banana tailpipe, all those, all that classic stuff. All of it. All, all of it. Stuff. Uh, and ironically, on my list, actually, and this will be my fourth film, is Beverly Hills Cop 2. I did not have the original okay. on it, although okay. it is classic. I had Beverly Hills Cop 2 because this one amps up the action. They brought in Tony Scott, R.I.P. You king. Oh, this is a great 80s and 90s action director. Tony Scott directed this one, uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Mm -hmm. uh, and and this, this time he comes back to, I mean, everything's a little bit bigger and a little bit better, a little bit funnier. Uh, <clears throat> he's got his already established relationships with the Beverly Hills uh, police force and, you know, Taggart and Rose, <laughs> was it Rosedale, Rosewood, something like that. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I just, I mean, their, their whole little troika totally works. Uh, and everything just just bigger, faster, but funnier. And it's Tony Scott, so you have all these sun drenched, hewed out, you know, lens scenes where it just puts California like this kind of sexy. Do is not the right word, but like like you know, warm, slightly dangerous thing because because he's going up against these uh, like uh, I think an international drug ring or something. And so it's just I mean, the heat is back on. It's it's definitely. I mean, he's having. You can tell Eddie's having a great time, and I'm not saying that the that the second film was better than the first, but there. I mean, it's probably splitting frog hairs, which one's better. But you can tell he's having just as much, if not as as much fun. Totally leaning into him being a firmly established international movie star at this point. And he's just mm -hmm. having time in his life, and you can feel it. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Judge Reinhold. Yeah, just yeah. It's, oh it's, yeah, he's in, and that's a classic '80s actor. Yeah, Night Court. Love that. <laughs> Yeah, Brigitte Nielsen. <laughs> Look how big that gun is, my lord. Yeah, so yeah, that was a great time. So that was my fourth movie. What is your fifth and final film, Ife? Well, it was Dolomite is my name, but womp womp. Um, we're gonna go with it's a tie. Can I do a tie, or can I have to pick one? Cheat if you must. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tie between The Nutty Professor, the first one. Okay. And delirious. Oh, okay. Um, 
and delirious, same same reason as Raw. I mean, just classic, wearing leather, making us laugh, Eddie doing Raw stand-up, young Eddie, you know, uh, coming off Saturday Night Live, Eddie, you know, just, uh, yeah, classic, classic material. Um, and then The Nutty Professor, of course, which combines the heart and the comedy, like I've been saying, but then this one, also adds in the characters. This is an extension of the character piece, which we saw in Coming to America a little bit, but the Nutty Professor really takes it to the next level. Right. Um, and it just has Eddie's talent on display and his talent for character, his character work and his um, comedic character work is just excellent. I think he was the first person to really, or the first black maybe comedian to really do the character work on that level in a film. I know I know it's been done in other films, I'm sure. I'd have to think about it, but, um, and they're film, but usually films tend to just have one or two characters. It'd be like one person playing two roles or something. You can kind of tell it's them playing, but Eddie took it to a whole other level when he did an entire family. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, all of it. Oh, and, and again, very black, very funny. <laughs> Very raw. I mean, just that classic signature Eddie humor. So, and it's funny uh -oh. you keep saying like, you know, it's very black, unapologetically black, so black. I mean, I never really, honestly, thought of Eddie Murphy like that. As far as he was always just, I mean, he was always just like one of our best talents. Period. But that when you look back, you know, as an adult, because you know he did a lot of these when we were kids. Essentially, I mean, it is astonishing how extremely black, how extremely. I mean, yes, not like a raised fist Afrocentric way, but more just like this is who Black I am, American. this is what I'm about, this is the yeah. humanity and, and totality of who I am, and making the world and especially white folk, but the world accept him on his own terms. Yes, that, that's I mean, and especially for the time he was doing it, the 80s, 90s. I mean, he's being so unapologetically black and successful by mainstream yes. definition of success, it's yes. kind of phenomenal. I mean, it, it's basically taking the 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 financial and uh, I hate to even admit it, but cultural success of uh, Tyler Perry because he unapologetically goes to his one niche nonstop, does not veer you know or Pasco for anyone else really, but applying it, but making it so that it's accessible to everybody. That's essentially what Eddie Murphy did in the eighties, mm nineties. -hmm. That's it's outstanding. It's it's yeah. it, it's incredible. I agree. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, as as I throw in my last movie. I mean, there's so many that we've left off. It's just, it's just a shame. I mean, all of them are worthy. I mean, 48 Hours, Trading Places. I mean, all those are great. My, the last movie, though, I'm going to throw on there is a little less heralded movie, and it's okay. Life. It's Life. Oh, Life. Okay. I'm not mad at that. And I'm not mad at that. You and Martin Lawrence, Consequences and Repercussions. <laughs> I mean. Now, that I've only seen once, so I don't know it like the back of my head. Like, I don't know it, know it. But. And and to be fair, I don't know it like the back of my hand either. I think I've only seen it two or three times, but I mean, it's just, I mean, it's not even like, it's not even really a comedy. Most of these movies, for, for better or worse, have mostly been comedies or action comedies or action, you know, uh, or action dramedies or something like that. But this one is more, well, it's, 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 I guess it's, it's really much the definition of the dramedy. It's two men who go to jail in the 30s, I think, who just sends to life in prison and they just basically get old you know together and it's kind of sweet kind of sad kind of you know 
real, very funny. Another mm -hmm. you know interesting cast, Bernie Mac. Oh man, R.I.P. The great Bernie Mac. I miss Dollar Bill every day. Fuck is <laughs> naked in the news. Yeah, <laughs> the man, the man, the man. He's in it. I mean, Martin and, and Martin and Eddie kind of the peak of their powers. A little more so, Martin maybe than Eddie. Maybe it's kind of the, the, the turning of the corner where he's kind of going to a plateau phase. But just great. I mean, it was a, it was a summer movie event. I remember seeing it out in L.A. in summer. Went mm -hmm. with a bunch of all. I think went with Lawton and them, you know, to go see it. So it was great. But it's just, I mean, it's just sweet seeing these two on screen together. Great performances. And, you know, and, the, and one thing about Eddie Murphy movies is that he will always leave you with something to go to add to the cultural lexicon. There will be consequences and repercussions. That mm -hmm. is the tagline that came from that movie that we still use today. So mm -hmm. shout out to you, Eddie. And also, of course, you know, we, we must at least give passing knowledge to, once again, Trading Place in 48 Hours. Excellent movies in their own right, but easy grabs if you're doing a top five non-boomerang yeah. Eddie Murphy list. Yes, true. Trading Places was the last one on my alternative list because Trading Places was just brilliant. Brilliant. Totally brilliant. Yeah. yeah. All right. The show without any <laughs> the show without any uh, segue. We are about to go into a short break. For those of you who are listening at home, we are going to take a break to bring you up to speed on how the game Draft Stream is played on the Cinema Draft game platform. So we'll be back shortly after this. For those of you watching the video, we'll be back even quicker than that. We'll be back right after this. Movie theaters are on hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. DraftStream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet. No more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three types of actors for your 10-actor call sheet. Headliner, co-star, and day player. Scoring is based on a weighted average of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores, plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus, while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. There's a weekly minimum $50 prize pool shared by the top two non-Cinema Draft employee call sheets. Or you can go low. Cinema Draft offers a minimum $10 lowball bonus to the lowest scoring call sheet of the week. To qualify, your call sheet must spend at least $75,000 of your budget use at least one actor from three separate titles in the talent pool, and, of course, roster at least one headliner, co-star, and day player to your 10-actor call sheet. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks again for your help and good luck. Thank you.
And we're back in video this time. Welcome back. So since the over-under has been long mothballed during our times of quarantine, and look, they are trying. They are really trying to force Tenet and these other movies down our throats in the theaters. Not going to do it. Going to stay healthy. We are going to do our quarantine movie of the week instead. Last week's quarantine movie of the week was The Social Network, as it's still pinned to our profile. Or, no, I'm sorry, the so the uh, it wasn't well, it was supposed to be pinned to our profile, it was our <laughs> one of the week last week. There it is. Welcome to Facebook, anyways. This week's quarantine movie of the week will be Crazy Rich Asians. Are you familiar with Crazy Rich Asians, Ife? Oh, yes, I didn't read the book, but I enjoyed the film. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. It was, it was, it was nice, diverting, perfect August movie. Loved seeing. Asian centered in all their rich, bougie splendor. It was great. Mm -hmm. uh, basic uh, premise Henry Golding's character brings constant woos, American born girlfriend back home with him to Singapore uh, and to introduce him, introduce her to his family and at, for, a for his best friend's wedding. And it is a very crazy rich wedding and a crazy rich Asian family. Really well cast. I like seeing a lot of uh, performers I'd seen kind of, you know, scattered in TV and movies, usually in like really whack supporting roles, you know, get a little bit of shine. It was great. So shout out to them. Gemma Chan, love seeing her. Shout out to her. Seen her in a lot of stuff. And of course, Aquafina. Yeah. I don't like that name, Aquafina. Yeah. She's, she's funny, though. She's funny. No, she's, she's funny. She's a talented performer. Uh, have you ever seen Aquafina is, was, there, she has a show called. Yeah, I heard about the show. I've never seen it. That was great. The Draft Mom loves that show. It's oh, really? Yeah, it's a nice little half hour. It has like a crazy gangster grandma lady type. Uh, it's a little absurdist. It's it's a lot of fun. You, you, you can. It's nice checking it out if you like Aquafina at all. Um, so that's so. This is Crazy Rich Asians. Make sure you tweet me your tweet link review at Place in the Draft and tell me what y'all think. All right. <laughs> Now it is time for, and I, you know what? I did not present any of that, did I? Wow. Okay, so let me present my screen this time. All that talking, none of those visuals. All right, so let me just run it back real quick. Thought I was sharing my screen the entire time. That is my bad. Yes, Crazy Rich Asians. It looks a little something like this. Mm -hmm. And again, another example of just showing this part of Singapore. I think it's just set in Singapore, if I yeah. recall. Showing how beautiful they looked and how glamorous they looked and their class divisions and their you know cultural, just it was just cool. I just it was I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I like any movie honestly that takes you inside a world I'm not normally privy to. So like, I haven't mm -hmm. been to Asia. Honestly, I haven't been anywhere. I want to go everywhere. I like to think I'm a citizen of the world. I haven't been anywhere. And <laughs> definitely on the list, Singapore, especially after our mutual friend Kiwi. You know, I, she lived out there, I believe. You know, I mean, it's always mm -hmm. been on my list. And it was just really cool to get like a great, you know, giant, you know, chamber of commerce tourism tour travelogue to to Singapore, as well mm -hmm. as a peek inside these crazy rich Asian lives. It was awesome. So, so yeah. So sorry about not presenting it earlier, y'all. This is what it looks like. Once again, tweet us your tweet link review at Place in the Draft on Twitter, and let us now go on to our draft stream update. Dun, 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 dun. I guess I need some other music for that. So, yes, yeah, so this week, it's a return to form. Gamble24x7, G24, the homie, 
taking the top two money spots, sweeping the $50 prize pool uh, between first and second. He did it on the back of all in the fight for democracy. That is Stacey Abrams, voter, kind of half bio, biopic, half uh, voter mm -hmm. history guy, whatever. And it was decent. Like it started off really hot. I think it started off at like 110 ish points on at Thursday game lock. And then it kind of, I wouldn't say cratered, but it definitely cooled off down to about 98 uh, where it finished out. He stacked up big on all in fight for democracy, had a nice little optimal stack. And since you're new around these parts, Ife, an optimal stack is when you get two headliners, a co-star and a day player of what you think the optimal film will be. So he got himself an optimal stack of All In Fight for Democracy, and then he went straight headliners on the way out. Baby, Departure, headliner stack from Pen 15, expensive but worth it, helped usher him on to victory. And then he got decent value here at Residue. Only 7,500, got him 122.71 points. Well done, Gamble24x7. His second call sheet, more the same, just kind of switched out, I believe, one title for another. Yeah, who we, we are who we are at the end, kind of flipped it, switched that out. Sacrificed one Pen15 actor by Maya Erskine. Got rid of Maya Erskine, got him a little more extra buying power. Got him, you know, uh, Alex Pagani and Benedetta on Baby. Got himself an extra Baby uh, headliner and played it like that. Got oh so close as well to sweeping the low ball. And in the low ball in this game, Ife, we also have, we basically have concurrent tournament running. We have people who are generally going for the main prize, $35 for first, $15 for second. Then we also have a $10 low ball contest where if you meet certain criteria and you get the lowest score possible, we'll give you $10 in bonus. And, and the way you do the low ball is that you must have, you know, standard call sheet rules, must have at least one headliner, co-star, and day player. You must have at least one actor from three different titles, and you must spend at least $75,000 in your budget. And that qualifies your call sheet for a lowball bonus. So shout out to Ring Balls, last week's Cinema Draft podcast guest. He's getting his mojo back, used to be king of the low, and he's now limboed his way down to take the $10 lowball bonus. Well played, sir. He did it on the backs of The Last Word. Nice little four-pack there, a three-pack of Cats and Paws, which does look truly dreadful, and a, a three-day player stack of Antebellum Unjust. That movie's good, damn it. It's not Is it? I just listened to an, the NPR uh, pop culture podcast, and they ripped it to shreds. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, who, who's the host of it? Is it, a, is it us or white people? I can't remember. Uh, it's a mix. Mm, it's a mix. It's all women. I think it was like two black women that week and then one white woman, but they were just briefly, really quickly, they were just saying that um, they felt like a lot of the violence in it or some of the things in it weren't really grounded and it didn't, ex I don't know, I have to listen to it again, but they didn't, they didn't love it. <laughs> actually, actually, let me go back and break Well, I, I will say this. I, I didn't, I won't say I, I loved it, it, but I, I respected what it did. I, I, I'd give it a seven. Yeah, six out of seven. And here's the thing where, about where did you watch it on Prime Video? Um, sure. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, so anyway, Antebellum, basically, <laughs> so the conceit behind that, you get what I'm saying, right? Uh, the conceit <laughs> behind that is uh, is that the first half hour is rough. I knew kind of going in, I'd need to spend some of my Black Misery credits, you know, 
it's in the title, Annabelle. I get it, but it was rough. Those first that first half hour is rough. You don't know what's going on, and especially yeah. if you've seen the trailer, you're like, all right, when's this thing gonna turn? And then the second half hour is confusing, which makes that first whole hour a little bit of a chore because you're kind of like, I don't see how these two things connect. You don't you don't get where mm-hmm. it gets. And then there's one very you know pivotal scene that turns everything on its head, and you're like, oh. I get what they did. That's kind oh, of brilliant. And the that's the plot twist. Through. Is that the plot twist they're talking about, about it being a, a, an amusement park or a theme park? I, 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 that's not spoiler for people. That's not oh, spoiler. I'm sorry. No spoilers. Sorry. Well, it sounded like they spoiled it for you, which is kind of fucked up. So uh, anyway. <laughs> they, they warned us. They were like, there's a spoiler, but I don't really care. I don't. Every, everybody matter. listening, watching, delete that footage. <laughs> <laughs> RIP Chadwick. Bleed uh, that footage. Uh, go in as blind as possible because it makes that twist all the more worth it. In the final forty-five minutes, sail on by. And I really like the twist of what they did because I've actually long thought about doing something conceptually like what they did. Uh, definitely not in the same structure. The structure of it is challenging. It's asking audiences, especially at home, if you saw mm-hmm. this in the theater, it totally plays well because you're trapped. You're trapped there for two hours. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna plow through most people. But if you're at home. And you have, like myself, a half-hour rule, a 30-minute rule. You know, you could get rid of a movie pretty damn quick. So right, right. I was I was determined to stick it out, though. I wanted to see where it was going. I'm glad I did. It's not the best film, but I respect what it was doing. And the concept alone is something I'd wrestled with trying to do before. Couldn't find a good way in. I think this is a good way in with the structure. A little bit challenging for watching at home. Okay. So I had a film. So on that on that uh, raft of mixed reviews, and as you can see here in Antebellum, it started off 28 from Rotten Tomatoes critics. That's just harsh. <laughs> 69 from Google users. 44 from Metacritics. They're haters. They hate everything. But then mm-hmm. only you know a so-so 5.5 from IMDb user scores. And of course, in this game, the user scores are all that matter. Weighted 60% over the critic scores. So if you're good with the audiences, you're basically good in this game. So this is just below a default score, 69.50, and that's why it ended up on the low ball call sheet. Well, that's in the past. Let's leave the past in the past. Let's go to – and I did not have it up. Great. Oh, here it is. Let's go to this week's talent pool. We have expanded stakes, and expanded stakes call for an expanded talent pool. We are upping the prize money to $100 prize pool this week. $50 to first, $25 to second, $10 to third, and now a $15 lowball bonus. Oh, Eduardo, why is the lowball bonus more than third place? Well, you got a decision to make. Either go for the gusto or go for the low. I want you to make a business decision. Do I want to go low or do I want to go high? Now, mm-hmm. every week you're allowed to do up to three call sheets, so go for both, why don't you? All right? So we'll see how this changes the gameplay at all, knowing that there's added stakes at stake. And also an expanded 25 title, unprecedented 25 title talent pool. You can already hear the draft mom crying in her beer. But yes, we are going big because we we're going big and we're staying home. Uh, a lot of good stuff in <laughs> the returning animation domination uh, Sunday block on Fox's back. Uh, Bob's Burgers, Bless the Hearts, the 32nd season of The Simpsons, and the 19th season of Family Guy. All up for grabs this 19. week. Nineteenth Family Guy, yeah. I've yeah, I've got some thoughts on that show. <laughs> um, uh, also, some some indie ones coming out. Uh, she's in Portland. 
might be kind of interesting. Support the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Tehran looks excellent. I keep seeing ads for that. Have, are you have you seen any ads or 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 marketing no. for Tehran? No. Yeah. Females, a woman spy in the Mideast. I think she's a Mossad agent undercover in a Muslim country. So uh, in, in Tehran, duh, in Tehran. <laughs> she's a Mossad agent undercover in Tehran. So that sounds like hot. And it's Apple TV Plus. One thing you'll learn from our game, and actually if you go onto any of our, uh, any of our previous master call sheets, you can go into the scoring section and the master score list right here. And you can see every single score. We've got a nice data set of about, oh no, we're up to about 300 now. About, yeah, 300 plus titles we've rostered in the Cinema Draft Games talent pool. You can sort it, you can sort it by platform, you can sort it by genre, you can sort it by date. And I like to do a bunch of stuff. I like to do like a bunch of average. Like, for example, when I say Apple TV Plus is quality, I am not lying. Real quick, you can do an average and just find all the Apple TV Plus scores right here. Drag down, end your parentheses, enter, and you'll see that on average, 95.65. I'd gather it's probably the highest of any platform in that's that's been exposed to the Cinema Draft, uh, draft Stream game so far. So Apple TV Plus stands for quality. That's why Tehran is priced up at a whopping 16,000, oh, 16, I believe, for old girl, Tehran, QRST. There she is, uh, Sean Taub, Tube, uh, 16,100, veteran character actor, Niv Sultan, the ostensible lead, 16,000 for her as headliner, Tehran. So almost a fifth of our $100,000 budget might be willing to be spent on Tehran. I think it's going to do gangbusters buster numbers, like at least 111 to 115. 120 is probably out of the picture, but 16,000 might be a little pricey, but might be worth it. Uh, the Comey rule, early reviews are no bueno. So <laughs> I'm going to watch it regardless because I'm, I'm a political junkie. Are you going to watch the Comey rule, Ife? Uh, what is this? I haven't, I'm not familiar with this either. It's a two-night miniseries based off of Jim Comey's book. Oh, it's on Showtime. That's why I don't really get into Showtime. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna check it out because I love this stuff. We and we've got Showtime. I'm I, I support Showtime. So. Um, Who's that playing Trump? Uh, Brendan Gleeson. Hmm. Yeah. And 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 from the the trailers I've seen, he really nails the voice. So I'm actually looking forward to this. And I think it's also going to drive Trump batshit crazy. Look for some really crazy mean tweets Sunday night coming out of the White House. That's <laughs> true. No, nothing new there. You know. Uh, so that looks interesting. I started watching the playbook. Uh, th this is uh, this is basically getting a bunch of coaches uh, on on record about not only just their coaching style, but like their philosophy towards life. I, I saw the Don Staley one. That was good. I'm in the middle of, of a Doc Rivers one. That's not bad either. So yeah, it's, it's, it's decent. I just don't think it's going to do the numbers we hope it could. Although sports reality, sports documentary-ish type shows have done well for Netflix. So I might mm -hmm. keep my eye on this. We'll see what it looks like come Thursday afternoon, which is, which is when I start to make my call sheets. You want to always have the, le the latest, uh, reporting time possible to so get all the information possible at the time it's, it's you're ready to submit a call sheet. Um, and Utopia, a little bit of buzz on this coming to Prime Video, Cusack, Rain Wilson, 
Jessica Roth. I love Jessica Roth. Have you seen a uh, Happy Death Day? Mm-mm. Uh, there's, there's Happy Death Day and there's like Happy Death Day Two or something. Low rent horror films. I don't really do horror, but they did this in a very clever fashion from Blumhouse, the guys who mm-hmm. put Jordan Peele on. So, uh, mm-hmm. so she's from that. Utopia looks kind of interesting. Uh, that might get a little little star appeal from the critics. So yeah, so 25, 25, Agents of Chaos. This shit drops tonight, I believe. I think this might be coming on HBO Max tonight. And this is uh, this is another Alex Gibney documentary. Are you familiar with Alex Gibney? No. This cat, Gibney is a beast, man. He did the series uh, Dirty Money on, uh, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Both seasons, excellent. He also did, where's, where's Gibney? They don't show his, uh, all right, well, this is him. Alex Gibney, he's done a bunch of really this excellent political-ish uh, documentaries of late. What was it? Uh, How to Fix a Drug Scandal. I did not see that one. Yeah, Dirty Money, those, those last two seasons. Oh, he did a hip-hop one. Okay, look at you, Alex. Uh, what else? Enemies, The Clinton Affair, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Oh, wow. He's got, so he's got a Netflix deal. Basically, he's got he's had a Netflix deal for a while now. So I always, I saw that on the platform, didn't quite check it out. Looming Tower, Last Shot. Anyways, he's very very acclaimed documentarian, Killing Season. Yeah, uh, he's been around for days, 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 days. And and he and when he when he goes in on something, he goes all in. So I'm very much looking forward to Agents of Chaos, probably dropping late tonight on HBO. Or if they're gonna roll an actual HBO rollout, it'll probably debut sometime tomorrow night on HBO and HBO Max. So those are the ones I'm kind of looking out for this week. Everybody, once again, make sure you get your call sheets in by 6 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday. You're allowed up to three, three call sheets. Uh, and go for that money, y'all. Go for that money. Once again, $15 to the low ball, $15 to the first, $25 to second. And the first time we are paying a third place spot, $10. $10 make you holler, all right? So get it in on time. All right, Ife Thomas, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for elevating the Cinema Draft pod with your presence. Uh, so you're all, welcome. These, all these weeks of wooing you to join the team may probably <laughs> work out. Don't want to jinx until you're on the dotted line, but glad to have mm-hmm. your podcast regardless. Grateful for you joining the Cinema Draft team. This is the time I always ask my guests, if you have something to plug, go ahead and plug yo-ish. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, this was a blast. And for the record, Boomerang's greatest movie ever. Okay. <laughs> so you can follow me. Well, I can, I'll can. i tell y'all where you can find me. You can find yeah. me. Yeah, Her Glow. Um, I want to plug my beauty and wellness brand for women, which is called Her Glow. And you can follow us on Instagram at Get Her Glow. The website is getherglow.com all things inner and outer beauty for women, um, everything from makeup and skincare to wellness and uh, workshops and yeah, just everything, really cool stuff. Um, And yeah, that's the main thing there. Um, And we're on Twitter at Get Her Glow and on Facebook at Get Her Glow. Everything is Get Her Glow. So check me out there and um, everybody watch Lovecraft Country. It's so good. And we didn't talk about the fact that my beloved Schitt's Creek season six is finally coming to Netflix in the state for, for those of us to watch. Um, 
uh, next to October 7th. Oh, yeah. Shit's, uh, the, the record setting Emmy award winning Shit's That's Creek. right. That's right, which I absolutely love and adore and um, have been debating if I should just buy the final season on Amazon. But then I read yesterday it's coming to Netflix uh, October 7th. So for those uh, of you that are Shit's Creek fans, woo woo, it's coming. For all you Ife siding love countryans, it will dismay you to note that I just couldn't get into Shit's Creek. I watched four episodes. I've tried to oh get in twice. God. I'm sure it's great. I could see, right? And at least I heard that it gets better after the first season. But right now, those first four episodes, it's a one, it's a one joke show, and I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You're struggling. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, EJ. I'm, I'm very disturbed. I'm disturbed. <laughs> what a great way to end. What a great note to end this podcast on. I love it. Well, anyways, love you, Faith. Thanks for coming on the podcast. You have to have you back again, whether you're on yes. the team or not. But you will be. So never mind that. And <laughs> Let's play us out with some epic battle music. Yes, we'll be back yes. next week with another. Thank you for having girl. me. Strange. Strange girl. Strange. 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 It's you, girl. <laughs> it's you, girl. We'll be back Strange, next girl. with another <laughs> great guest on the Simmer Draft podcast. Another great top five to mull over and discuss. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing the game. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> where can you find cinema draft we are on twitter at play cinema draft facebook cinema draft instagram at play cinema draft medium at cinema draft that is our corporate blog we're even on pinterest cinema draft also subscribe to this podcast at itunes Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.